everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. My name is Jeff, I'm half of the show, the other half is sitting there across the line from me, and that is Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how are you doing today, bud? Hey, we're still practicing social distancing. Not doing it, we're just practicing. So that's why I'm over here. Yeah, I, I specifically in my contract wrote, I will not be in the same studio. As yeah. I know. I never understood that. I figured it is you didn't want to be around someone better looking. That's why I have a mirror in front of me. <laughs> Things are starting to heat up on uh, the hot stove. Saw some interesting trades. The Mariners did, of course, because the Mariners trade all the time. Yep. They sure did. They traded away rookie of the year, a recent rookie of the year. Did. <laughs> rookie of the year from just a couple years ago. Who? We'll see what happens. A lot of people are like, who? What? Who's Kyle Lewis? What? Well, you know, it, and it, it was in 2020 where, you know, there wasn't a full season and he didn't get a ton of at-bats, but he's still a solid baseball player. Just nowhere for him. Nowhere exactly. for him in the Mariners. And then the A's, of course, have been very active. A lot of <laughs> well, fake names coming and going. A lot of exciting <laughs> stuff here in the Bay Area. Yeah. But, I, hear, I hear they're up for Trey Turner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, amongst, and Aaron Judge, uh, he's kind of narrowed it down to the... Uh, Finally going to open up the checkbook. The two you know? New York teams and the A's. He did follow the A's on Instagram, though, if that's any well, indication. I, that's a good sign. Oh, Maybe yeah. he's not interested in the money. <laughs> <laughs> or winning, or anything else. Oh, excuse me. All right, well, let's... First of all, I'm playing injured today. I'm I'm Uh-oh. doing this with back spasms, which is not fun. So Uh-oh. let's properly warm up. I've got I've got my salon paws not sponsored uh, on. I got some pills in me. Let's go ahead and get warmed up here. Uh, take some BP first. No surprise to anybody that's heard this show before. I'm going to fantasy camp in two months, right? Whoa. So uh, some of these teams hold fantasy camp now in the fall after the season, including the Kansas City Royals who just wrapped up their fantasy camp last year. I posted this on social media. There is a surprise guest. I I don't think he was there for the whole camp. But none other than Zach Morris was a member of the fantasy camp. Mark Paul Gossler. How cool. You know, before, I've I've seen a lot of stuff from Mets fantasy camp. Uh, Rob Riggle went to fantasy camp with the Royals. Uh, nice. A year or two ago, he is one of my favorites, and Jim Brewer, who is not one of my favorites, uh, was also at Royals Fantasy Camp a couple of years ago. Huh. I think it was Royals; it was one of them. So, how cool would that be just to show up for Fantasy Camp, which is cool in the first place, but then have Zach Morris show up? Seriously, you know, I would ask him to call me Slater the whole time. <laughs> well, does that make me screech? That's not <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to be there. I have a feeling I would be screech. Yeah. yeah. I, I would I would frankly be talking more about Good Morning Miss Bliss than Saved by the Bell. But that's <laughs> that only one of us. That's only for us true Saved by the Bell fans. But uh, there was some pictures of him. I also put this out there during uh, he was taking some at bats during a game. No batting gloves. Yeah. So I'm not sure if he was going for bonus points in Wax Packs Heroes or if he subscribes to the Jorge Posada Moses Alou school of why he's not wearing batting gloves. Boy, I, these eccentric actor types. Yeah, I would be like, hey, excited to meet you. Not going to shake your hand. No high five, no handshake. Nope. Well, just kind of nod and bow. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, the uh, the Nippon Ham Fighters, our favorite-ish NPP team. <laughs> 
Oh, boy. Well, so they're getting a new stadium. We've mentioned this before. They're getting a new stadium next year. All built. Uh, it's ready to go. One thing, though. They did not measure how far it is from home plate to the wall behind home plate. And oh, no. In the NPB, they have very strict regulations and rules as to all of this, how much foul ground there should be, how far everything should be. Stadiums are, are more cookie cutter than they are, you know, here where you can essentially almost do anything you want. They didn't think to measure this until uh, it was all done. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the NPB said, all right, well, we'll let it go this season, but you've got to fix it for the, for the, I guess it would be 2024 season. That's really weird. I mean, I can't see me forgetting. It was Big Boss Man. He did it. It's, it had to be. I don't know. I guess it's just Big Boss. Big Boss Man was a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, that's my bad. It could have been the Big Boss Man. I mean, no, it, I think he's dead. A little odd. I think he passed oh, away a while ago, so I'm not sure. Uh, this is a good story about a, a pitcher. I've made no beef about it that I'm not a fan of Rick Sutcliffe as an announcer but man do I respect the heck out of him as a pitcher the more I've learned about him since doing this podcast so uh, this is a story I I wanted to definitely tell this is when he was pitching a while ago obviously Uh, so he gave up back-to-back home runs uh, against the Reds in Cincinnati and at that point at Riverfront Stadium they would shoot off fireworks after every Reds home run and Sutcliffe was a was a pretty intense guy when he was pitching. So Eric Davis comes up, takes him deep for the first one. Then Paul O'Neill comes up. There's home run number two. So Sutcliffe so is on the mound. He's like, st- like, you know, the steam coming out of the ears kind of thing. He's really mad. Billy Connors was the Cubs pitching coach at this point. He comes out to the mound, and Sutcliffe is just, he is really upset. He says, I know, I know. I gave it back-to-back home runs. Get back in the dugout. Tell Don Zimmer, who was the manager at that point, just to chill, okay? I know what I'm doing. Billy looks uh, up to him and says, quote, hey, listen, I know you have everything under control, Rick. I just wanted to give the guy running the fireworks a little more time to reload. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that went over well with him. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's that, see, that's that's good baseball story right there. Absolutely. You don't get that with football or basketball or hockey or anything. That is a baseball story right there. Nor with bowling. Oh, no, no, you might yeah, get it you with bowling. do. You yeah. do. Definitely you do. Uh, let's see. So it's obviously the offseason here for MLB. We got other leagues going on. But you, some people, I used to do this when I was when I was young, will listen to baseball as they fall asleep on the radio. I'm mm-hmm. pro- not as much of a thing now, probably. I'm, you're local. You listen to radio. But uh, there's something that I found. It's called the Northwoods Baseball Sleep Radio League. What? What this is, this these are full-length fake baseball games. <laughs> but uh, it's what's called for, you're familiar with ASMR? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. Audio sensory modulary replays. Close uh, enough. Yeah, good enough. It's, it's where people, uh, usually it's uh, younger men listening and watching uh, attractive women just make sounds <laughs> like, that, like that. Like that's ASMR. I don't, I don't get it, but, you know, we're, everybody's got their things. So this is essentially baseball ASMR. 
It's kind of like, you know, in between on MLB or on, uh, yeah, MLB.tv, in between innings last year, they would have ASMR, those 30-second slow-mo replays where you would hear the the spikes going into the dirt and all that stuff that drove me crazy by the end of the year. That's what this is. Except for it is, there's no yelling, there's no commercials, there's no audio spikes. It is literally, you hear the the bat hit the ball every now and then. The announcer is saying just very little. Ball one. Fouls it <laughs> off for strike one. It is, it's relaxing. It's made to go to sleep. It's ASMR. So uh, that's www.sleepbaseball.com. I'll put that link in the show notes if that's your thing. Uh, I think they're up to eight full-length games now, so plenty to listen Whoever to. had the idea is a genius. Well, they're, I'm not sure they're monetizing it, so I don't know how genius Well, maybe not genius, yeah. They're bored. Let's put it that way. They're at least bored, but uh, putting us with a nice opportunity to get some rest. Soundtrack to the off-season is what it is right there. <laughs> uh, now, rarity here, we have an off-season Lars Newtbar update brought to you. I did... This somehow slipped past me, but Mark, you're all over it. Yeah. I mean, you know, anybody that listens to the show regularly, we love Lars, big Lars fans. And if you don't listen to the show regularly, well, I guess it's the same thing. But anyway, we have confirmed that, yes, Stephen Kwan is going to go play for Team Japan in the World Baseball Classic next year. But so is our hero, Lars Newtbar. Wow. Lars, is. this is the first time in history a player born outside of Japan will play for the Japanese team. Pretty amazing. Lars, of course, not everybody knows this, but Lars, uh, his father is of Dutch, English, and German descent, and his mother is Japanese. So he gets the opportunity to play on Team Japan, and I, I think that's awesome. It gives me even more reason to watch Team Japan. The first thing when you said that to me was, wow, because that Japan, that Japan team stacked already. Yeah, yeah. And then to throw Stephen Kwan and Lars Newtbar on there, it was shocking to me. I I don't, well, you know, Otani's probably going to be on it. He said he wants to be on it. I'm not sure if he's officially on it yet, but that's going to be a lot of Major League Baseball talent on the Japan team, which doesn't often happen. Usually they're they're pretty much all from the NPB. Yeah, they could be scary good. Oh, they're, they, I mean, they're always a, one of the favorites. Sure. So I I'm, I love the uh, the baseball classic. I'm I'm really looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, me too. I I'm a big fan. All right. Uh, before we get to trivia, I want to mention one thing. We at the end of the show, we always tell you our, all of our social media. It's pretty easy. We're we're two strike noise. Pretty much anywhere you look, uh, we are slowly transitioning away from Twitter. It's too much right now. So uh, I'll we'll still be checking Twitter every now and then. Uh, we've got a, a thing where we post something. It, it goes to pretty much all our social media. So there'll still be content being put there. We just might not be checking it as much. But uh, we did start a Facebook page, something that we haven't done until now, obviously. But So you can find us on Facebook now if you want to. Just search for Two Strike Noise. We'll pop up. Be sure to follow us. We'll be posting stuff there. Maybe doing some stuff that we don't do elsewhere because you can put a lot more words and stuff there than uh, some of the other social media. But please follow us on Facebook and uh, connect with us there. Uh, we're also on Mastodon now. We're trying to transition there. Hopefully, 
that will pick up once, uh, I mean, everybody's kind of leaving Twitter right now, but hopefully that'll pick up as well. But uh, the, all those links will be in the show notes as well. So uh, please join us over there in Facebook. All right, Mark, before we wrap up BP here, we got a trivia question I asked last week. And my yes. question was, when did the last Cy Young winner have a higher batting average than the home run champion of the same year? I remember that. Yeah, you remember that? Do you, do you by any chance know? I, I do not know. I don't even have a guess. That's how off I am. Yeah, I just, if, if I hadn't seen this, I would have never known. 1982 is the answer I was looking for, and I'll tell you why I say that in a minute. Uh, Steve Carlton, who won the National League Cy Young that year, hit 218 at the plate. Not bad for a pitcher. No. Dave Kingman... Who, who led the league in home runs that year, had a batting average of 204. <laughs> you know, we do, I mean, if Joey Gallo would have won the home run title this year, I mean, there's somebody that can't hit for average, but can hit for power. But you're not going to see that anymore because the DH is in both leagues now. Now, Brian Krause, one of our regulars, he did hit me with a technicality because I never specified how many at-bats the I was looking to have for the, the pitcher. Typically, I think with pitchers, it's like 60-plus at-bats to qualify for a pitching batting title, I guess. Uh, So he did mention that in 1997, despite the fact that Frank Thomas led the league in home runs with a 347 average as well, Roger Clemens that year hit 500. He was one for two. So, Oh, Mr. Krause, you always get us. Yeah, and that's on me because I did not specify. I didn't even... That didn't even come to my mind about that. But That's good. Uh, beyond that, we did actually get some some uh, correct answers from Tomas Ragnar, who I think is a, is a new participant, and Marco Sainz. So three of you, congratulations on that. I have a new question. Yeah, and by the way, just remember, put a pin in, in the answer to that question because uh, my podcasting uh, class that I spent thousands of dollars on is going to come into play here. Question for the next show is, who has the most hit-by-pitches to lead off a game? Ooh. So you got to think of lead-off hitters, right? I'm going to tell you right now. I always, I always tell our listeners, if there's a chance that Ricky Henderson could be the answer, the answer is Ricky Henderson. <laughs> there's a chance that Ricky Henderson could be the answer, but he is not the answer here. <laughs> okay, see, because that was going to be my first guess. Here he comes with a Ricky question. No, Ricky has uh, has has um, led off a game uh, reaching via an error more than anybody else, <laughs> but not a hit by pitch. So everybody think about that. Let us know. Hey, you can tell us on Facebook, too. That will be, and by the way, Mark, let's just go ahead and, and make the announcement. We are going to uh, be taking a week off here. This show is debuting on November 22nd. Hope everybody here in the United States has a uh, happy and safe Thanksgiving. We're going to take this week off, or the next week off. We're going we're gonna to enjoy our long holiday weekend. We apologize in advance. But you can listen to a best of show. Yeah, you can, or Mark, you and I kind of came up with an idea here of what yeah. we could do. This is show number 192. We're getting really close to 200, and we're going to have some things that we need some help with coming up for that show. But what we decided to do, I've got a a, a number randomizer here in front of me. From 1 to 191, we're going to run this, and that's going to be our episode for next week. We want everybody to go back. Maybe it's the first time you will have heard that show, or or maybe not. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm, I'm really hoping that it doesn't show up with 191. 
<laughs> All right, we're gonna run the randomizer here, and number sixty-three. Now, Mark, off the top of your head, do you remember what episode sixty-three was? Off the top of my head, you know, it's funny because I have every single episode memorized by number except for sixty-three. Oh, Isn't that weird? That's it's kind of like the one dog. It's it's your it's a hole it's a, in your knowledge. It's a yeah. All right. Now, this was a good episode. This is I'm proud of this one. It is titled "The Real Bull Durham." This is uh, where we did, we talked about Mike Hessman, who is the actual all-time minor league home run champ. And that was a good episode. Also, let's see, apparently we talk about the Goldbergs, Party of Five, and Fuller House. So that's right on brand. So you got some, yeah, you got some pop culture in there with your baseball. Yeah, we uh, we reviewed the top 10 jerk list from 1996 in Major League Baseball. All right. <laughs> and reveal a baseball movie universe conspiracy theory. Wow. I'm going to go back and listen to it myself. Yeah. You know what? And since we're not going to do a show, I'm going to go listen to that one. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. No, I remember, I remember researching that. That is a good, uh, good topic. So uh, everybody go back. Episode number 63. You know what? If you really do that, we are going to be so impressed. Yeah. And if you want to <laughs> listen to it around the Thanksgiving table with your family and friends, we're not oh. going to argue. Yeah, take pictures. Let us know. Yeah. Just make sure everybody's listening on their own device so we get more listens. If one, if you're 17 people are sitting around, you know, your iPod, that's not going to help us that much. Yeah, you can't really check in. All right. Uh, but uh, happy holidays to all that celebrate. All right. Let's wrap up our BP. And uh, Mark, do you remember the two names that uh, came up in trivia that I told you to put a pin in? Yep. Uh, one was Steve Carlton. The yes. other was Dave Kingman. Yes. And uh, the reason I did that is because this week is all about King Kong, Dave Kingman. Nice. Yeah. You like how I did that again? That was good. Very professional. Uh, all right. First of all, as been the case here the last couple of times I've done the story, I need to call somebody out. <laughs> Joseph Wancho, Saber member, claiming the Dave Kingman bio. Not Uh-oh. written it yet. Come on, guys. Let's go. Let's go. Let's pick it up. Uh, Dave Kingman, though, one of the originators of the three true outcomes, except for one thing, he rarely walked. So yeah. this was a phrase that I, I read a couple of times about Dave, uh, Dave Kingman. It was a clout or an out, which is great. <laughs> All right. So uh, nicknamed King Kong or Sky King, he was known for his surly attitude that would make Albert Bell look, look a little bit more like Dale Murphy than Albert Bell. Uh, King Kong is really a great name, though. It, for me, it's what a great name is uh, nickname is made of. It incorporates part of his name. He was huge. He was six six in a day where players were not all that size like they are now. So King Kong was misunderstood as well, except for that uh, woman that the actual King Kong always carried around against her will. Yeah, yeah. Dave Kingman was uh, known as kind of a surly, uh, not the friendliest guy when he was playing. <laughs> so it's a great nickname all around. Like most good baseball players, Kingman was a great athlete in high school as well. He was a center on the basketball team. No shocker. Wide receiver and a safety on the football team and a star pitcher on the baseball team. In fact, in high school, Kingman threw a no hitter. And then in his final high school game, he hit four home runs and pitched a two hit shutout. 
<laughs> that's that's having a good day right there. That is. That's that's almost as good as Joey Gallo. Remember that uh, that story in high school where he threw a no hitter and then took Nolan Ryan's daughter or somebody, somebody's <laughs> to the prom. No, it was Greg Maddox. I think it was Greg that's Maddox. It. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, in Las Vegas. That's number one. This is number two. This is one A and one B. Out of high school, Kingman was drafted a couple of times, but he didn't sign. Instead, he wanted to go play college baseball at USC, which, of course, was and is not as much anymore, but was definitely a powerhouse. There, as a pitcher and a part-time outfielder in 1969, he accumulated a record of 11-4 and with a 1.38 ERA. The next season, he led the Trojans to the national championship as a full-time position player, but he only hit nine home runs and and drove in 25 RBI because he missed a lot of time due to injury. Kingman was drafted again this time by the Giants, and he signed with them and eventually made his Major League debut with them in 1971. Kingman hit a home run in his second game in the bigs and his first grand slam a couple of days later, something that would become a bit of a theme with uh, the Sky King. The Giants made the playoffs that season, and Kingman got what would be his only taste of the postseason, going 1-for-10 at the plate. Kingman really could fit right into today's game. As I mentioned, kind of a two-true-outcomes kind of guy. He had a lot of home runs. He struck out a lot. He came in, and he pitched a couple of times in his career in blowouts as well, which, again, fits right in with today. In two appearances, he logged four innings pitched, gave up four earned runs, struck out four, but walked six. So. <laughs> not not a stellar performance, but out of a out of a designated hitter or outfielder. Yeah, right. I mean he struck out four guys, so right. that's that's pretty. Uh, out of twelve outs that he got, a third of them were strikeouts. And you can pretty much guarantee these were not nail biters. No, they were all, they were they were blowouts. You can also guess though that he wasn't throwing an Ephus pitch in there. As <laughs> as somebody that pitched in college, he right. probably was putting something on it. He played well enough for the Giants, but was not a great fielder. They shifted him between third, first, and outfield. And after the 74 season, he was sold to the Mets, where he was primarily used as an outfielder. His first year in Queens, he set a Mets team record with 36 home runs. Interesting to note that that same year, he only scored 65 runs. Whoa. (laughs) So 36 of those were runs where he drove himself in. Wow. It really was. It was a clout or an out. He did not get on base where he was standing on a base very often. <laughs> it had to be kind of foreign to him, it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> is this where I go? This here? <laughs> this base is next, right? <laughs> which, which direction? All right. So the next season in 1976, he bested his own Mets home run mark by hitting 37. Then in 1977, we've referenced this before. Bobby Valentine actually referenced it when we had him on. The Midnight Massacre. That was the night that, uh, of course, Mr. Met was found brutally slaughtered in a dark alley behind Shea Stadium. Wait, no, 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 no. Scratch that. That never happened. Don't just do that. Oh, jeez. But uh, I'm definitely getting that mixed up with something else. But Kingman was one of the big names that the Mets traded away that day, though definitely not the biggest, of course, because that was uh, infamously when Tom Seaver was traded. And Mets fans still not over that today. Kong was traded to the Padres for the aforementioned Bobby Valentine. Kingman played 56 games for the Dads before being put on waivers where he was claimed by the Angels. Ten games later, the Halos traded Kingman to the Yankees. So back to New York to finish the season. 
this time in the Bronx. In eight games in pinstripes, he hit four home runs and knocked in seven to help the Yankees to the playoffs. But since he was acquired after the trade deadline, he could not appear in the postseason. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I mean, he was, he really, in those eight games, I mean, he put him over the finish line. So in 1977, Dave Kingman played for four different teams in four different divisions during the same year and was the first and only player in baseball history to hit a home run with each of those four teams in the same season. All right, so that offseason, Kingman signed a contract with the Cubs. He continued doing Dave Kingman-like things, including a game against the Dodgers at Wrigley Field on May 14th, 1978, where he clubbed three home runs, including the walk-off winner in the 15th inning for a 10-7 win, in which Kingman drove in eight of the Cubs' runs. (laughs) This led to a famous tirade by Dodger manager Tommy Lasorda, who understandably was not in a good mood after the game when he was asked about Kingman's performance afterwards. What's your opinion of Kingman's performance? What's my opinion of Kingman's performance? What the f*** do you think is my opinion of it? I think it was put that in. I don't opinion of his performance. He beat us with three home runs. What the do you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me a question like that? What is my opinion of his of, of his performance? He hit three home runs. I'm off to lose a game. And you ask me my opinion of his performance. I mean, that's a tough question to ask me, isn't it? What is my opinion of his performance? Yes, it is. I... Ask it, and you gave me an answer. Well, I didn't give you a good answer because I'm mad, but I mean... That wasn't a good question. That's a tough question to ask me right now. What is my opinion of his performance? I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? They just did. That's right. The next season, Kingman led the National League in home runs with 48. (laughs) That wasn't the year, though, because he had a career-high 288 batting average. That's crazy. Yeah, that was... I mean, that was just off the charts for him. He earned his second of three All-Star appearances and came in 11th place in MVP balloting. Uh, there was another game while he was with the Cubs uh, during the season that was just incredible. May 17th at Wrigley, another three-home run game for Kingman, but this time it was the Phillies third baseman Mike Schmidt that was the hero. He hit two home runs of his own that day, including the go-ahead home run in the 10th inning in a 23-22 to win over the Cubs. Again. 23 to 22. The Eagles beat the Bears that day. I'm not that great at mathematics, but I think that's uh, 45 runs. That's a lot. I mean, obviously, the, the, number. Wind, the wind must have been blowing in that day, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes. And Wrigley is a tough ballpark to hit it out when it's sunny and the wind's blowing out. <laughs> so Kingman's third homer that day is still believed to be the longest home run in Wrigley Field history, traveling an estimated 550 feet. It Ouch. landed in the front yard of the third house down the street from Waveland, not mm. on Waveland. It's a street that goes off of Waveland. <laughs> in Milwaukee. It hit the front porch of the third house across Waven Avenue. Man, oh man, isn't that something? That is unreal. Kingman's third home run of the ball game 
a standing ovation. And let me tell you, it's now 21 to 19. That's amazing. Yeah. So imagine walking out in your front yard and going, there's no way this, no. I wanted to take a look at the box score from this game. Obviously, 23 to 22. There was a lot of runs. A lot of RBIs being knocked in. For the Phillies, uh, they had three players with four RBI. And then uh, Bob Boone, your boy, had five RBI in that game. And then for the Cubs, seven RBI for Bill Buckner. And then six for Dave Kingman. Between the two of them, they knocked in 13 runs and they lost. (laughs) That's just wrong. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, The wind was uh, apparently blowing. It says wind 18 miles per hour in an unknown direction. Well, you know, I could take a good guess at what direction it was actually blowing. (laughs) Unknown direction. (laughs) I can take a stab at that one myself. I'm going to say left, left center is a probably pretty good shot there. Uh, Stat-wise, his three seasons in Chicago were the best of his career. He hit 278, 40 points higher than anywhere else he played, 94 home runs and 251 RBI. Kingman enjoyed his time in Chicago, and like many other stars, their name is something that they can bank on to make money on the side, kind of their side hustle. Some open up restaurants or bars. They always draw a crowd because, you know, like Harry Carries. There's always Cub fans at Harry Carries. Well, Kingman was no different in Chicago, where... He didn't open up a restaurant. He didn't open up a bar. Instead, he opened up Kingman's Landing Ice Cream Parlor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's not something that you see a lot of baseball players, you know, dip their toes in is uh, ice cream. Okay, not generally. No, it's not. Not generally, especially somebody that's as surly as Dave Kingman. Maybe it was his one true pleasure. (laughs) That's the only time he was happy was when he had a bowl of Rocky Road in front of him or something. Mm, Yummy. The Cubs, though, sent him back to the Mets in 1981. A year later, 1982, despite only hitting 204, sounds familiar from a trivia question (laughs) before, he tied his own Mets record with 37 home runs, becoming the first home run champion in Mets history. The writing was on the wall, though, in 1983 when the Mets traded for Keith Hernandez, who obviously went on to be the Mets' first baseman for years to come and date Elaine Bennis off and on. <laughs> he signed the next season with the Oakland A's, where he played for three years while living on a 43-foot yacht that was uh, moored in Alameda. Uh, lucky, he played in a lot of spots where he could actually buy a boat and live on the water. He did that in Chicago and San Diego as well. He's a big outdoors guy. He now lives in, in Lake Tahoe, big fisherman. <laughs> One time it, with the Cubs... It was Dave Kingman Appreciation Day. I don't think they were giving away bobbleheads, but they were giving something away. But he was on the DL. He didn't show up. He was uh, he was at the uh, Chicago Boat Show instead, pimping uh, Kawasaki uh, jet skis. So that's <laughs> that's another way to endear yourself to the fans. While uh, while he was in Oakland, he had a hundred home runs in three seasons, drove in three hundred and three runs, and in his first season. Uh, with the A's, he was named Comeback Player of the Year, hitting 35 home runs and knocking in a career 118 RBI. But despite that, after the season, nobody came knocking for his services. Now, this might have been due to collusion that was going on the major league owners at this point. But this guy had just hit 35 home runs and drove in 94 in his uh, final year. That, by the way, was the record for most home run in a player's final season until David Ortiz broke that mark 
when he hit 38 in 2016 in his final year. That was it for King Kong's big league days. He would, however, go on to play for the West Palm Beach Tropics of the Senior Professional Baseball Association, where he hit eight home runs and drove in 40 runs in that single season. Now, I mentioned Kingman was often described as surly, and he was when he was at the Diamond. He was one of those guys that seemed like it was a chore to play the game of baseball. A former teammate once described Kingman's personality as that of a tree trunk. He also didn't particularly care for the media. He once dumped a bucket of ice water over a writer's head after claiming they had misquoted him. And in what might have been his biggest dick move ever, he sent a package to a female sports writer up in the press box while with the A's with a live rat in it with a name tag attached to it with her name on it. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, not not cool. That's he was nuts. He's, That's crazy. Not very nice to uh, female reporters at this point, as a lot of guys unfortunately weren't, but uh, that was just a stupid thing to do. Surly or not, I'm just not sure how you can describe somebody as surly, though, when they agree to participate in the Superstars competition. Ooh. Now, Mark, I think a lot of our listeners are of the age that they will remember what the Superstars competition was. This is where you would have a handful of athletes and a handful of entertainers, such as uh, Welcome Back Cotter. What was his name? Uh, Abe Kaplan. He was an incredible athlete. He Abe was. Kaplan. He, yeah, I mean, he would go up against these professional athletes and hold his own. But uh, found a clip of uh, Keith Jackson proud wazoo graduate and reggie jackson calling the action of the rowing competition that dave kingman was part of where he came in and uh, won the competition at one point kingman was the record holder for the rowing competition on the superstar show until the incredible hulk lou ferrigno broke mm. the mark but it takes the hulk to be right. king kong couldn't beat him without a superhero yeah Exactly. So also I found this Kingman's son, Adam, won season three of Making It and was crowned Master Maker. Now, I never watched this show. I knew what it was, but it was hosted by Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. And they were it was, it was a crafting show. I would have to assume that Nick Offerman at some point would have mentioned Adam's lineage as he seems like the exact type of a Paul Bunyan like guy that Nick Offerman characters often champion. And things like Parks and Rec. This just man's man who likes to fish and just hits mammoth home runs. Pretty much a, a, a Nick Offerman type guy. He does fit the mold. Yeah, pretty much. But that is, uh, that's it. That's uh, Dave Kingman. King Kong, Sky King. I like King Kong better. I think it's just one yeah. of the best nicknames. Good stuff, Jeff. All right. So that was Dave Kingman. That is going to wrap up the main segment of the show. And that is going to take us to the final part of the show. This is uh, our Thanksgiving gift to you. It is the time where uh, we like to take some baseball cards from our youths, some unopened packs. Some say wax packs. We like to open them, and then we do stuff with them. Not dirty stuff, but we do stuff with them. It's Very called Wax Packs Heroes. Hit the Wax Pack Hero! All right, Mark, looking at the scoreboard, I trounced you last week in the uh, shortened version. 
Last week was ugly. I should get two points for that high of a score with those few cards. But regardless, we're going to just count it as one. The uh, We are level on the scoreboard at 12 apiece. If you are new to the show, this is uh, Wax Packs Heroes, where we open up some old uh, packs of baseball cards. And then what we do is we look up the baseball reference war of the year of the card. In this case, Mark, we're going to be opening up some 2,000 tops. So we're going to be looking at the 2,000 season of war for each player that we pull and we'll add those up we've got a couple of other qualifiers that can add or subtract from our score anything on a player's face eye black mustache flip down sunglasses uh, anything like that that's an extra tenth of a point if they're wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitaries underneath them that's a tenth of a point but if they are the two-in-ones we don't like those so we're going to minus a tenth of a point for that If you've got a particularly good mustache, we can add an extra tenth of a point. Sweatbands with your caricature or jersey number. Any of your final three seasons uh, were spent in the Mariner uniform where all players go to die. That's an extra tenth of a point. Two flaps or no flaps on a batting helmet. Batting with no gloves. Those are all tenths of a point. Any awards from the year. Rookie of the year. Cy Young. MVP. All-star or gold glove. That's a half a point each. If there is a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they are the focus or not, that's a full point. If Ricky Henderson appears on a card, I get five points, regardless of who pulls it. Same goes for Mark. If Nolan Ryan, which I don't think we're going to pull in 2000, but <laughs> I'll take it. That is a, a full five points. So that's a big one. Mark, we're each can also pick a team. And if that team shows up, I get half a point for each time my team shows up. You get half a point for each time yours does. Who are you going to go with this week, sir? The San Francisco Giants. All right. Well, uh, you know what I'm going to do then? Uh, Because I did Dave Kingman, and he played for the A's, and the A's are the cross-bay rivals of the Giants, I'm going to go with my Oakland Athletics. Very nice. Uh, I've already mentioned the score. We're tied at 12 apiece. Mark, I got these two packs of 2,000 tops, one on my left, one on my right. Which one would you like? One right. All right. I'm going to have you go first, as always, and uh, let's get to it. Uh, This is a good card right here. This is an action card with the... uh, Brewers, it is Jose Valentin. Jose Valentin, man. And I think that is, uh, I want to say that's Matt Williams sliding in underneath him. I always think of Jose Valentin as a Met for some reason. Uh, Well, this is Valentin, remember. Uh, Oh, yes. There are several players, Valentin, Valentin, Valentino, all those. This is Jose Valentin. Yeah, Yeah, this is Jose Valentin. Uh, Let's see, 16 years in the big leagues, eight with Milwaukee, five with the White Sox, and then two with the Mets, one with the Dodgers. In the year 2000, it was his first year with the White Sox. He hit 273, 343 on base, 25 home runs, 92 RBI, 19 stolen bases. Wow. 107 OPS plus, and all of that will equal a war of 4.9. Very nice. Right on. Uh, nothing else on this card is going to get you anything, but that's a good 4.9 right out, of it, right out of the gate. Start. I like that first inning score. First inning grand slam. Lead off Grand Slam. Just like hitting back-to-back inside the park Grand Slams has never happened. It was traded at one point for Gary Sheffield, along with Ricky Bonus and Matt Miski. All right, next uh, we have got, wow, it's a card that is very similar. It's it's another middle infielder tagging somebody out at, say, slide into second. <laughs> Here with the Blue Jays, Homer Bush. You notice I didn't throw in a toe. I just didn't feel like it. Let's see. Homer Bush played for seven years in the big leagues. Fourth Toronto, three with the Yankees, and one with the Marlins. In 2000, he was with Toronto. 
appeared in 76 games. He hit 215, 271 on base, one home run, 18 RBI, and a 33 OPS plus. That's not a good number when you're looking at OPS plus. And a war of minus 1.3. Ouch. Yeah, now the good news for you is he's got some flip downs on, so that'll only be a minus 1.2. I feel so much better. Yeah, that one, that takes the sting out of it a little bit, doesn't it? It's interesting. Homer Bush, from everything I've seen, kind of the opposite of Kingman personality-wise. Everybody really likes him. He's got a good personality, stuff like that. Uh, didn't He had a lot of home runs, not quite as many as King Kong. Let's see what <laughs> traded by the Yankees with Graham Lloyd and David Wells to the Blue Jays for Roger Clemens. Oh, wow. All right. Next, you have got a guy. Wow. If, if we pulled this card in like two or three years, I'm willing to bet you're getting Hall of Fame points. But uh, <sighs> here he is with the Dodgers third baseman, Adrian Beltre. Oh, yes. Former Mariner. Former Red Sox, too. Wasn't he like a Red Sox for like a season? He was. <laughs> That's right. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, right after Seattle, he went to one year. With the Red Sox before he went to uh, before he went to Texas uh, in 2000, it was his third year in the big leagues as a 21 year old with the Dodgers. 138 games, he hit 290, 360 on base, 20 home runs, 85 RBI, 12 stolen bases, and a 114 OPS plus, and that equals a 3.4. Very nice. Uh, nothing else that. on this card is going to help you out though. No, Adrian Beltre was clean shaven. Never saw him wear glasses or a cup or a cup. How would you check that? Just never saw it. No, it, the rumor is he never wore a cup. As a third baseman, that Absolutely. is, I yes. too like to live dangerously. <laughs> exactly. We were always just like, really? He doesn't wow. wear a cup. Jeez. Well, he was a four-time All-Star, a five-time Gold Glove, two-time Platinum Glove, and a four-time Silver Slugger. Dude could field and dude could hit. Had a lot of fun goofing around with Felix Hernandez, too. Oh, man, yeah. And uh, Elvis Andrus. Just, uh, he's a goofy guy. Fun guy to play with, I imagine. Decided not to wear a cup. Beltre's decision not to wear a cup, despite playing third base, has been well documented. This came back to, I'm not going to say what I was going to say, but it came back to bite him in 2009 when he took a hard ground ball to the mommy-daddy buttons. Mm-hmm. Although he stayed in for the remainder of the 14-inning victory, he was put on the DL after suffering bleeding in one of his testicles. He was he finished the game. And then we'll get this back. In his first game after returning from the DL, his teammate Ken Griffey Jr. had the uh, had uh, Beltre's walk-up music changed to the Nutcracker Suite. <laughs> that is classic though. That is. Oh wow. Wait, so this you always get my favorite players that aren't Ricky oh, nice. Here you got my favorite catcher. Steiny? Terry Steinbach. Look at this. In 2000, he's wearing real stirrups. Not a boy. Now, just let that be a lesson to everybody. That's right. I'm going to put this aside, take that, go get autographed fantasy camp. But Steinbach from Minnesota kind of went home for his final, uh, the last three years of his career. And uh, unfortunately for you, Mark, 2000 was his first year he was retired. <laughs> <laughs> of course. 14 years in the big leagues, 11 with the good guys, three with the twins. Uh, overall, a 271 average. That's a great average for a catcher. 326 on base. That's not a great on base percentage, but uh, still, how many stolen bases do you think Terry Steinbach had in his career? 18. 23. Ooh, not bad. Yeah. How many uh, caught stealing do you think Terry Steinbach had in his career? 24. 22. He had a, <laughs> he was under, or he was over 50%. I went the wrong direction. Yeah. Close. You will get a tenth of a point for the real stirrups, though. 
couple things about Stein. He hit a home run in his first major league at bat, and he caught two no-hitters in his career. I know one of them for sure was Dave Stewart's. That's right. And then Eric Milton with the yes. uh, with the Twins. And, yeah. of course, he was named uh, All-Star MVP. I remember that year. Was that, I think that was in Cincinnati, wasn't it? Uh, sure. All right, next you have got, wow, maybe a little bit late to get a whole bunch of points from this. Here he is with Cleveland, Dwight Gooden. If you can remember Ooh. Dwight Gooden as a member of Cleveland. As in, yeah, I don't remember him. as I remember he played for my Astros. Uh, yeah, I, I vaguely remember that as well. I mean, if he's not in a, in a Mets or a Yankees jersey, like, did it happen? Right, exactly. How about when he was in a Rays jersey? Do you remember that? That I don't remember, no. Yeah. Well, you're gonna you're going to because uh, in the year 2000, first of all, his last year in the big leagues, he played for Houston, Tampa, and the Yankees. Wow! All together, he went six and five with a 4.71 ERA, struck out 55 and 105 innings. But, uh, let's see here. All of that will equate to a minus point one for you. So yeah, get this: as bad as it could have been. With Houston, he was a minus point one. With the yeah. Rays, he was a minus point eight. And with the Yankees, he was a point eight. <laughs> it, it, it was all relative. It really yeah. was. It was uh, an up and down season. Nothing on this card is going to help you out. I don't think we need to go into Doc's personal stuff. That's pretty well documented. All right. Next, you have got uh, a guy that is one of those borderline guys when it comes to Hall of Fame that a good handful of people think, you know, maybe should be there. Definitely has some incredible numbers. It is Carlos Delgado. Oh, Sure. Sometimes forgotten, but one solid hitter. Let's see, Mets and Toronto, as well as Florida for one year. 17 years in the big leagues, 12 of them were with Toronto, four with the Mets, one with the Fish. In 2000, good news for you, he was an all-star that year. Nice. Uh, Let's see, 162 games. Led the league with 57 doubles, 41 home runs, 137 RBI. He hit 344. Had a 470 on base percentage. What? Oh my. Led the league in being plunked and total bases, a 181 OPS plus, and came in fourth in the MVP validating. Wow. All fourth. of that will be a 7.3. Oh my plus, God. he was an all star, so that'll be 7.8. And he's got a goatee, so that'll be a 7.9. I don't think I, I mean, I remember weeks. Full games where I didn't score 7.9. Yeah, well, I think last, no, last week he had 11.6. So very, very. Carlos almost matched it himself, you know? Very close. He had 30 home runs in 10 consecutive seasons. Yeah, dude, just mash. Yeah, he could crush it. You know, playing in Toronto, though, kind of makes you persona non grata sometimes. Uh, Delgado, his hero is Roberto Clemente, and he has since followed in his footsteps being a well-known activist about uh, since his retirement. In, in Puerto Rico. Very nice. All right, you got uh, two cards left here. You've got a divisional highlight card here with El Duque, Orlando Hernandez. Nice. Let's see, El Duque, nine years in Major League Baseball, six with the Yankees, two with the Mets, and then one apiece with Arizona and the White Sox. I remember neither of those. Let's see, in the year 2000 with the Yankees, he went 12 and 13 with a 4.51 ERA, 29 games, all of them starts. 195 two-thirds innings, 141 strikeouts, and a 107 ERA plus, and that is good for a war of 3.2. All right. Pretty good. Nothing else on that card is going to help you out, but 3.2 is very nice. 
Uh, let's see, of course, brother of the Vaughn Hernandez, uh, both from Cuba. Cuba? Oh, sure. Yep. Make sure our Spanish speakers uh, understand what I'm saying. Cuba? Oh, I'm glad they tell me what El Duque means in Spanish. Case. It's a, the, Is Duke. It the Duke. Yes. <laughs> now, it says here, uh, of course, I remember his extremely high leg kick, but it says he also frequently threw an EFIS pitch. I don't remember the EFIS pitch. I don't either. Well, I mean, it's on the internet, so must be must be true. It's got to be. Uh, he was one of those guys that uh, nobody ever really knew his uh, <laughs> his true age, and not right. like in a satchel page sort of way. It's he just kind of fudged it to uh, to get in uh, to the country. I think. Yeah. All right, sir. You're down to your final card. You're at eighteen point two, and uh, the good news for you is it's a Hall of Famer. Oh, good. It's our third picture here that goes uh, horizontally with the middle infielder tagging somebody at second base. Uh, <laughs> this Hall of Famer is a fan of spitting. Oh, that Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, he's also on our do not talk about list because he's kind of a scumbag off the uh, off the field as well as on the field, at least that one time. It is here with Cleveland, Roberto Alomar. Roberto, who could sure play some baseball. Yeah, he's a great baseball player, and that's all we're going to talk about when it comes to Roberto Alomar. Of course, part of the legendary Alomar family, brother of Sandy, uh, son of Sandy, different Sandys, but I think you probably know who they are. Let's see, 17 years in the big leagues. Wow, the longest he ever stayed on one team was five years in Toronto. Then three with the Padres, three with Cleveland, three with Baltimore, two with the Mets, two with the White Sox, and one with Arizona. 2000, good news for you, though. He was an all-star, 155 games. He hit 310, 378 on base, 19 home runs, 89 RBI, 39 stolen bases, and a 114 OPS+. Plus. Uh, he was an all-star and a gold glove winner, so there's an extra point right there. And his war for the year was a 5.6. Wow. So that'll be 7.6 there with the Hall of Fame and the All-Star and the Gold Glove. Now, he's sliding into second here, as it looks like, uh, not sure who that is with the Tigers trying to tag him, but as he is sliding, he is blowing a bubble. (laughs) Now, sir, that counts as something on the face. So that'll be a 7.7 for you. That also makes this one of the greatest cards ever, that he's blowing a bubble while sliding into second base. That's really impressive. And it was captured. Uh, You know what? I remember... Because baseball was 100% of my life in, in 90, in 1990. And I remember that trade between Toronto and, and San Diego. Yeah. I mean, those are a lot of big names there. It was a huge trade. Yeah. All right. So your final total is 25.9. Yikes. There's only eight cards in these packs. Wow. So that's a, that's a <laughs> well, good Well, I picked pack the right one. Said. Yeah. Well, let's see. It's well, all skill. Who are we? kidding i picked this is my <laughs> all right well now first of all my first card has appeared on sabrina the teenage witch Woo. so i mean right there that's a 20 point bonus i think right next year next year <laughs> <laughs> all right well that narrows it down to three players it can either be steve Sachs, mark langston or brady anderson and uh this is the one with the bigger sideburns of the three so you got brady okay let's see uh brady anderson 15 years in the big leagues, 14 with the Orioles, and then uh, half a season with Cleveland and half a season with Boston. Came up with Boston. That's something that we forget often. The year 2000, 141 games played, a 257 average, 375 on base, 
19 home runs, 50 RBI, 16 stolen bases, a 106 OPS plus, and that equals a 1.9 war. Not bad. I don't know. I'm, I'm tempted to give myself a tenth of a point for the sideburns here. They're on <laughs> his face. They do go almost to the chin. Yeah, they. Yeah, that's definitely. That's, <laughs> that's going to start me out with an even two because of those beautiful, beautiful sideburns. <laughs> uh, I'm the master of sideburns. You know, if I don't have a beard, I still have the sideburns. All right. Uh, we've talked about Brady before. The main, the biggest thing here is he was on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That's what matters. <laughs> that is. All right. Next, I've got a rated rookie card. Oh, this is, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to get a lot of points from his you know, first or second year. Here he is, known cheater, Carlos Beltram. Oh, with Carlos. the Royals. Nicknamed Ivan. Not sure I've heard that before. Ivan. Yeah, Ivan. In the big leagues, 20 years. That's a lot of time. Seven years with the Royals and the Mets, three with the Yankees. And then we've got the Cardinals, Astros, Rangers, and Giants scattered about there. In the year 2000, it was his, really his second full season. He was the rookie of the year the year prior. But uh, in 2098 games, he had 247, only a 309 on base, seven home runs, 44 RBI, 13 stolen bases. Wow. Sophomore slump right there for the rookie of the year. 69 OPS plus, And all of that is a positive 0.9. That's going to be it. Something I remember about Beltran, I mean, we've talked about the negatives, but in uh, he was actually after Hurricane Maria, he was named by uh, the winner of the, of the Hope Award for his work at, uh, in Puerto Rico for Hurricane Maria. Oh, very nice. All right, next, uh, I've got a guy that, uh, boy, I loved Harry Callis when he would say this guy's name when he was with the Phillies. Here he is with the Cubs second baseman, Mickey Morandini, dandy little glove man. I think a couple of guys are nicknamed that. Also named Mickey Moe or Beaker. 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 Now, if that's after the Muppets, I'm a fan. Yeah, no doubt. 11 years in the big leagues, nine with the Phillies. 2000 was his final year. He split it between Philadelphia and Toronto. Uh, overall hit 252 in 126 games. No home runs, 29 RBI, six stolen bases, a 62 OPS plus. It's not looking good. And a minus 1.2 war. He does fortunately have a goatee here. So it'll only be a minus uh, 1.1. You remember with the Phillies, him and Kevin Stocker as the double play combination? Yeah, that was a good uh, good middle of the infield. They were solid. Combo right there, yeah. He was traded straight up for Rob Ducey. Now, here in his uh, personal and postseason or uh, post-playing activities, it lists nothing that exciting. But then it says also see list of celebrities who own a uh, winery or or vineyard. Huh. So that would lead me to believe that he owns one, which why would that not then be in his uh, in his bio? I don't know. I, I just He's just on the list. He's not in the bio. <laughs> Moving on. Somebody else that's not going to help me a lot here either. Uh, catcher for the Rays, John Flaherty. Not a bad baseball player, but uh, you're right. He's not going to get you the high war here. I'm, I've got a team of uh, grinders. You do. You do. These are the guys that you need on the team to win. They're not the flashy guys, although uh, John Flaherty's nickname is Flash. But, uh, you know, and despite the fact he has 10 career stolen bases. Let's see, uh, 14 years in the big leagues, half of, oh, not half of it. I went to Wazoo. My math is a little rusty. Five with Tampa, three with New York, three with Detroit, and then the Padres and the Red Sox for a couple each. In 2000 with Tampa, 109 games, 261 average, 296 on base, 10 home runs, 39 RBI, and a 71 OPS plus, And that equals a minus 0.5 war. Oops. 
He does have on eye black, so it'll only be a minus 0.4, and that'll bump me down to 1.4. John Flaherty in 2011 founded the New York Boulders of the Frontier League. The New York Boulders? They play in Rockland County, New York. Well, I guess that's where you get the boulders from. Yeah, it must be. So it says he's well-known by his nickname Flash, but no idea how he got that nickname. Had to be based on his incredible speed, you would think. He's a catcher, yeah. All right, next, uh, oh no, uh, I've got an insert card, Divisional Playoff Highlight, Orlando Hernandez. <laughs> we already talked about that guy, what's going on? The rest of my cards are, are unique, but uh, <laughs> yes. let's see, uh, you got on that one, you had a War of 3.2. I mean, that's the best card I've had yet, so I'll take it. All right, that'll bump me up to 4.6, I've got three cards left. Next, we've got a guy, well, this might be a good card, with the Royals. Member of the Athletics as well, Jermaine Dye. Yeah, Jermaine Dye, center fielder, right? Uh, let's see, I know he played right when he was in Oakland, but I'm guessing he probably played some center field as well. Oh, he's from Sacramento. Oh, he must have enjoyed playing in Oakland. Went to high school in Vacaville, which is oh, even no closer than Sacramento. And he played some center, but pretty much a right fielder. He was a two-time All-Star. Good news for me, one of those All-Star years was in 2000. 157 games, 321 average, 390 on base, 33 home runs, 118 RBI. I like this. And that's a 135 OPS plus. Also won a gold glove that year. And that will equal a 4.6 plus uh, the bonus for the all-star and the gold glove is 5.6. And uh, nothing else on this card, but I'll take a 5.6. That more than doubles my score. Remain die with 325 career home runs. Yeah, he had some good, good power years. He did. Chose to wear number 24 while in Oakland. I mean, nice. if you could, that's good. I remember in, in, in this, in 2001 in the ALDS, he broke his leg when he fouled the ball off his knee. That, that hurt because he was, I mean, he was so good oh, for him. That's terrible. All right, I'm at 10.2. I got two cards left. This guy, I remember, had, uh, he was kind of overshadowed by his wife, who was... Uh, something to behold. It is here. Pitcher for the Bucks, Chris Benson. You're talking about Anna. Is that her name? I yep. Check that out here in a minute. But he's not married to her anymore. He's now married to Hank Blaylock's ex. Kind of like the, those Yankees that swapped wives in the middle of the season. Yeah, yeah, to. weird stuff. Yeah, let's see. Chris Benson, nine years in the big leagues. He was all over the place. Five of it was with Pittsburgh and then a bunch of other people. 2000 with Pittsburgh, he went 10 and 12 with a 3.85 ERA, 32 starts, 217 two-thirds innings, 184 strikeouts, a 121 ERA plus. And that equals a war of 5.1. Wow. Unfortunately, nothing else on the card. I'm closing in here, but I just started off so poorly that I'm not going to be able, I'm still 10 points behind you. I'm just not going to be able to, to catch up, I don't think. Overall, first round pick. Overall, the first first round pick in the 96 draft by the Bucks. Interesting is uh, very well known as a... Philanthropist? Yes. So he did good. Yes. Uh, actually, he, during the course of his career, uh, won the Roberto Clemente Award, the Thurman Munson Award, the Joan Payson Award, and the New Jersey Sports Writers Humanitarian of the Year Award. Wow. Pretty impressive. Yeah. For somebody that also was known because of what his wife did but when he met you know when they met and uh, some other scandals that they uh, ran into that's kind of strange uh that he was you know such an actual good person in the community yeah. for him 
Well, Benson, it says here, Benson is now engaged to Brittany Page, daughter of Diamond Dallas Page. Just saw that. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I mean. DDP, uh, I hope when he proposed, he gave her the diamond cutter. <laughs> or at least the diamond. He probably didn't need to give her the diamond cutter, but yeah. <laughs> Would have been cool to see. I, I'm just saying. All right. So you're at, uh, I'm at 15.3. I've got my last card here. And oh, wow. I, I'm not sure that this is going to get me 10 points, but if ever I felt like I might be able to, this one is going to be going to be interesting. It'll probably be a real down year for him. It's a Hall of Famer. It is Doc Holiday, Roy Holiday. Mm. Holiday, I guess. I always say Holiday. Holiday. Yeah, not so great for me. <laughs> His uh, really his second full year in the majors with Toronto. He pitched for 16 years, 12 with Toronto, four with Philly. In 2000, he went four and seven with a 10.64 ERA. That's not going to help you. No, 67 two thirds innings, 44 strikeouts, a 48 ERA plus, and uh, that's going to get me a minus 2.8. Minus 2.8. I am curious if there has been another Hall of Famer who's had a lower war season than a minus 2.8. Man, that's tough. Uh, let's see. Now, if if it, this would have been 2003 where he won the Cy Young and was an all-star, he had an 8.1 war. <laughs> I, still would have, I still would have been a point short. That would have been very interesting. <laughs> You know what I remember Holiday really for was when he threw that no-hitter against yep. the Reds in the postseason. In the playoffs, yep. Remember that? Yeah. And it was a quick game, and yeah, it was just that was a, a really, really great game. All right, Mark, so you have uh, once again taken the lead. You're up 13 to 12. I don't think I've ever been this close this late in the season, but still, um, <laughs> I'm not feeling confident. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that'll do it for this episode of Wax Packs Heroes, uh, as well as this episode. Just a reminder, if you want more of us throughout the season, throughout the season, throughout the week, not the season yet, it's the off-season. Well, yeah, the off-season. You want more of us, you can find us on the social medias. Just look for us at Two Strike Noise, uh, or whatever social media you're on. Again, just remind you, we are now on Facebook. It's <laughs> something like, like you, it sounds like you would say that back in like 2004. We're on Facebook now. Check it out. We're on Facebook. Yeah, but it's two, it's 2022, but we are now actually on Facebook now, as well as all the other socials. Uh, you can find us there. I would really suggest if you want to get a hold of us, Facebook might be the best way to do it now, as well as the email address that Mark likes to hand out. T-W-O, strike noise at gmail.com. Feel free to write us. It may take us a little bit because I'm lazy, but uh, we'll get back to you. Two strike noise at gmail.com. As we mentioned, next week, we're going to take the week off because uh, we're going to enjoy the long holiday weekend. We're putting this challenge out there. We randomized it. Episode 63, The Real Bull Durham. This was a good episode. I'm looking through my, my script here in the show notes. If you haven't heard it, uh, it's only 50 minutes, too. So it's a quickie. Go back, listen to that. Uh, I don't remember. I'm sure I lost Wax Packs Heroes. It was uh, 86 Donruss that we opened up that week, though. Oh, so nice. uh, go listen to that. Uh, I, we challenge you to listen to that for either the first time or review it. It was a good episode. But uh, again, everybody have a happy and safe uh, Thanksgiving if you are in the U.S. If not... Stay safe anyway, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs>